there's a reason that affiliates exist and there's a reason that we do it in classes because it is more effective than doing it solo. Like even Matt Fraser who trains by himself trains with buddies in an affiliate. It's like it works. It's better. You know, before you said the the environment matters so much and it's environment matters so, so much. Lance Armstrong, like he trains with a team. It's like, I shouldn't use that example anymore. It's like, cause it's from 1994. It's 1994 and he's a, he's a like a doper. He takes drugs with his team. (laughs) Um, but the idea is like recognize that you're struggling. The reason you're struggling is real. Like it, you're not going to be first. The first thing is don't expect to get back to the exact same mindset. If you want to get back to the exact same mindset, go back to the affiliate. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks, Pat. Today we are back at our two-minute drills. Two-minute drills for those folks who are new um, is when I peruse my Instagram DMs, select some good questions, and present them to you um, with the challenge of trying to get an answer under two minutes, which is always... Let's go. Always a challenge. Um, and as always, the subject matter um, are kind of random, but well within the scope of what we usually talk about here. Okay, first question. How can someone keep chasing excellence in an environment that does not encourage that behavior and attitude? Is it possible to become excellent in an environment that does not support you through it? Okay, um, so probably a couple questions there. Yeah. Uh, the first one, let's take the last one. Is it possible... Um, to chase excellence in an environment that doesn't support it. Yes, it is possible. It's just way, way harder. I believe that environment is the number one thing you should be looking to change as you're trying to do great things in your life. It makes it so much easier. We've talked about this before. If you're trying not to eat cookies, man, it's a lot easier if there aren't any cookies in the house. If there are cookies in every room unwrapped and everyone around you is eating cookies, it's going to be way, way, way harder. So the best thing you can do is change the environment. Now, I understand that that's not a possibility for some people, or I shouldn't say that. Everything's a possibility. Mm-hmm. It might be much harder. In that case, what you need to do is remove yourself from your current environment and find, at best, at the best case would be like put yourself in a better environment. But if you can't do that, find solitude and do it mm. on your own without the help or distractions from anybody else. At least find neutral ground where you're doing this thing on your own. Second question. I'm currently considering taking one uh, one more day off of work a week for a four-day work week. Is it worth the awesome. chance of financial stress to have more freedom during the week? Okay. The, the, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, a lot of context. We don't, we don't right. So it but. depends on, and it really, it's the context that's, yeah. that's answering that. If you're scraping by and you're not gonna be able to pay the bills, if you um, take that extra day, I would suggest you don't do that. It's mm-hmm. not a luxury you have at this point. If you are at the point where um, you taking that extra day would allow you some extra mental freedom to create some clarity. It's a, the, we, entrepreneurs call this a clarity break. Mm-hmm. Clarity breaks can take the shape of a full day. That's really impressive for a full day every week. Um, I would say if it's going to create the financial stress, that's probably not where you're at. In that case, you can create mental, uh, you can create clarity breaks other ways. It could be an hour every morning. This is what morning routines are for. So you don't necessarily need to take the full day once a week. You can give yourself an hour every day. 
You do what Bill Gates does, which is a full week every year. There's no right way to say a um, one day um, per week is the right amount for that um, solitude and create that that visionary aspect of get your life in order. Um, if it's going to create financial stress, I would look for other ways to do that. Yeah, for sure. I think there's probably just as much of a chance to um, get all your work done in seven hours instead of eight hours and have an, an extra hour a day yeah. to do to add to that freedom. And then there's no financial hit to it. And actually what what I've found is you can, there's a lot of, for, for most people, there's a lot of slack in the day in which you're not actually getting anything done. You're just kind of in the place where things get done. Hmm. And so if you can really kind of organize yourself and get focused, you can get quote unquote eight hours of work done in six hours and nobody would notice because chances are it's just emails and whatnot. So yeah, it's a matter how you're prioritizing thing. Your actual, yeah. Yeah. Um, effectiveness, not efficiency. Exactly. Yeah. Next question. My wife and I just had our second child. Do, uh, due to our work schedule, I train at 5.30 a.m. Obviously, sleep is very interrupted at this point, roughly awake every couple hours. Would you recommend altering my training or just scaling the workouts and volume since sleep is so important? Okay. Love the question because, yes, sleep is so important. Somebody that's going to be um, lacking sleep um, needs to prioritize it. Um, you're going to become a walking zombie. Your health can take a major hit more so than probably what's happening in the gym. Mm. Um, now what you don't want to do is use that as an excuse and just keep the same sleep schedule. And now you're not also working out. Yeah. So I forget what his couple of suggestions were there, but essentially it comes down to like, should you continue to go to the gym and not work as hard? Yeah. Like sc- uh, scale back the volume or the intensity, intensity the loading, the duration, or try to just shift the workout schedule entirely. Like yeah. Try so, to figure out another time to do it. Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. Right. Like try to figure out a way that you can continue to work out with some level of re- the idea is like you want to be able to recover. Mm-hmm. If you're not recover as you lose sleep, your ability to recover goes down. Mm. So something else has to give in that, you know, it's not just working out. It's not just eating. It's not just sleeping. It's also stress, which mm-hmm. you can combine, which we do. Um, we divvy those out as re- relationship connectedness and um, uh, mindset. mindset. Yep. yep. So you need all five of those factors working in synergy together to drive your performance, body comp, and health. If one of those things is massively deficient, sleep, the other things have to you have to you have to look to the other ones as well. You can't keep burning them as hard because you're not going to be recovering right. as as well. Yeah. So I don't have the answer for him. I don't know what it is. If he has the freedom to be able to do something in the afternoon to switch mm-hmm. his schedule, cool, awesome. Doesn't affect anything. You still get the full workout in, and now you're still you're not stressed about in the morning. Or if that's not an option, then yeah, we gotta let up somewhere. Usually for most people, that is in. Um, for most people, I would say most people. Unfortunately, that becomes in the frequency. Yeah. They don't come to the gym as much. Yep. I would try to that not to be it because moving every day is super important. Yeah. We need to be moving every day, but we need to be training four to six days a week. I would instead lower the intensity, loading, yeah. volume, or duration. Got it. Okay, next question. Is it better to focus on being more mobile and substitute movements like the thruster or clean until my front rack, T-spine, and ankle mobility improves? Or should those barbell movements still be performed alongside doing mobility? In other words, should I stop doing these things yeah. until I can move more more efficiently? Or can you kind of do okay. the kind of parallel? Kudos to this guy or girl for realizing the limitations and awareness. Like awareness is the biggest thing. What most people do is go like, nah, bro, I'm good. Let me like <laughs> so super cool. Um 
the answer is dot 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 depends. Yeah. Like it depends on how limiting it is. Right. If it's yeah. limiting so badly that um Basically, you have no ankle mobility. So when you go in that front rack position, you have such an immature squat, which means your torso falls so far forward that all the load is being received on the wrist and it's causing going to cause an injury. Then in that case, yes, mm. you should not be um, front squatting weight. I'm sorry, you should not be um, putting weight in the rack position through a squatted position. That's going to be detrimental in the long run. Now, if you're somewhere... Um, on the plus side of that, where the wrists are not taking the brunt of it, the thruster or the clean and jerker or anything that's using those could be a good mobility movement in of itself. Mm, like interesting. one of the be- the best stretch to improve your overhead squat is the overhead squat. The overhead squat. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. The best squat, the best um, um, movement to improve your overhead position is Getting it overhead. Getting something overhead. Exactly right. Yeah. You can. Everything else is a variation of it. You know, um, the best way to get in shape for skiing is to ski. Mm. Like it is. It's it's specific. It's literally the thing you're trying to improve. So you putting a barbell in the rack position is the best stretch to improve the rack position. Right. Now the the thing we have to become aware of, which it sounds like this guy or girl is, is. Um, loading and through range of motion in Metcons. Yeah. So that's the thing we have to pay attention to. So it's hard for me to give an answer across the board because depending on where you are in the mobility scale, I would say yes or no to that question. Some people, you should not be doing thrusters, front squats, or cleans in workouts because you lack the prerequisite mobility to do it. Mm-hmm. Other people... Doing those things may be the very best thing to get you better at those things. So can't really, unfortunately, give an answer for that. It's going to be where are you on that sliding scale. I've just gone through uh, breast surgery. Uh, I think that's probably breast cancer surgery. Uh, and can't train CrossFit for two to three months. This has proved to be a huge challenge for me as an athlete mentally. What's your best advice for someone who can't sit still and, wa- uh, and watch all their progress go away after surgery? Okay, Yeah, this is really hard. Um, for hard chargers, type A's, people have identified themselves as competitors, as athletes their whole life. Um, surgery, sickness, illnesses, catastrophes, whatever it might be, are really tough to deal with because... Your identity has kind of gone away. It's like, I am a mover. I am the fittest person of my friends. I am this. I get this endorphin rush. I get this response, this hormonal thing. I feel good about myself. And now this is gone and it's spiraling the opposite way. Um, A couple things on this. The first one is um, training is only one of the five things that we correlate to health, performance, and body comp. Mm -hmm. Let's dive If you're a go-getter like you say you are, let's go get everything you have over the other ones. Now, the hard part is it's hard because these things all trend together. But what we need this athlete to do is focus and double down on sleep, triple down on nutrition. Maybe they have a little bit of extra time because they're not spending so much time in the gym to work even more on the relationships that maybe might not have gotten the attention they were before because they were spending three hours in the gym. This is the time to actually take advantage. It's not an obstacle you're facing. This is something that you are 
is given to you yeah. so you can focus on these other things. That way, when you come back to being an athlete, these things are even at a higher level, which will help you out even more. Spend more time reading about mindset and competitiveness and what the best athletes in the world are doing. Use this as an opportunity, not an excuse. Now, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. The other side of this is, how do you literally define success? If success for you is, I need to be the um, um, results-oriented, you versus other athletes, or metric-driven in terms of like, I need to be able to clean and jerk at X number, I need to be able to run sub five-minute miles, I need to have six-pack, I need to be under X percent body fat. We need to, this is out of your side of your control. This is Stoic Philosophy 101. Everything can be stripped from you. You could lose your leg. So this person's just in a short-term little funk. No big deal. Perfect time to train these things because what could actually happen is you'd be paralyzed. And if you're paralyzed, what now happens to you? Don't wait for that moment to happen. We define that moment ahead of time during these little setbacks so we are so much stronger for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes to like the POWs from... Um, you know, the Stockdale paradox to Viktor Frankl, like these people that are really everything is stripped away from them. Well, how do you stay dialed in and realize that you are in control even though something has been taken away from you? This is a, I get it, it seems like a big thing. It's a small thing. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying this is your chance to focus on you creating the balance across your life and realizing that you are not just an athlete. You're way, way, way more than that. Next question. I'm lucky to be a member of an amazing CrossFit gym. Sometimes friends and family who live far away are interested in starting CrossFit, and I find it difficult to help them find a gym that's high quality and a good fit without being able to visit them in person. Yeah. Do you have any advice on how to assess a CrossFit gym without being able to actually go to it? Yep. Uh, this is hard. So uh, this is, um, when I travel, this is what I, this is how I do it. Right. I'm not saying it's the right way, but this is the way I do it. Um, the first thing I go to is the website and I try and get pictures. I try and look at pictures of the facility. Mm. Um, it's not a perfect correlate, but at least like, you know, you'll be sending your friends into something that like they're not, you're not gonna be embarrassed about the very first thing, right? Yep. Like, dude, you sent me this place and like, yep. you know. It's a warehouse and uh Man, and there's holes in the walls and um, graffiti and the F words, you know, spray painted everywhere. Um, so the first thing I look for is the facility. And the next thing I go to is the programming. Yep. Um, and the programming can tell a lot. Um, if it is um, classic CrossFit, like what we call elegant programming, you know, it's couplets and triplets in that, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, appropriate rep ranges for the loading. Oh man, I can't do this in two minutes. Uh, I'm not going to, we'll do another one on programming type stuff. Uh, Just leave it at elegant programming. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I'll give a, it's like, what you don't want to see is if the weight load is heavy, the reps heavy. We don't want to see if the, uh, if the load is light, the, the weights being, uh, light. Mm-hmm. So for example, if it's ab mat sit-ups, they shouldn't be doing 10 ab mat sit-ups at a time. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get any stimulus from that. Ab mat sit-ups should be a, a, all the numbers together should add up to about 150 in a workout. Mm-hmm. There's certain... Of just ab mat sit-ups. Or just of ab mat sit-ups. Just, yep. That's kind of the sweet spot. Now, anywhere from 100 to 150, 180, whatever, but 150 is kind of that number. Um, same thing with um, 
like weighted movements. Weighted movements, if it's super heavy, the load should, the, the rep should be in the 30 range. So three rounds of 10 clean jerks heavy. That makes sense, right? We don't want to see is six rounds of 25 reps of heavy clean and jerks. It doesn't make sense. If it's light, it should be in the 30s for total reps. If it's mm-hmm. medium, it should be 50 to 60. If it's, um, did I say that right? Yeah, if it's heavy, 30. If it's light, 50 to 60. If it's um, um, very, very light, um, then it should be, um, depends on the movement, but anywhere from like 90, 100, even up to 150. Mm-hmm. So that's what, I mean, it's, it's not a two minute answer. That's what I look for. Do they yep. understand programming? Yep. And the last thing I look for is um, I go to the coach's bios and see if I recognize anybody. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if I recognize somebody, then that's, that's a helpful. good sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to skip ahead to one of the other questions because it's it's sort of related enough, cool. um, which is as a gym owner, where do you stand on paying for professional photography of your members on a regular basis? And I'm just going to tack in the the, the yeah. facility because you mentioned it. Um, so professional photography as a, you know, in general, what is the thought process behind this kind of marketing expense? Yeah. Um, Okay. So marketing, marketing is two different things. It's branding and it's advertising. If you're doing it for advertising, I'd say it's a waste of money. What you're doing with advertising is trying to get track strangers. It's the top of the pyramid. It's the awareness play. If you're doing it for branding, which is to get your members to feel more, um, buy-in and association and, um, relationship with yours, um, Jim, I think it's phenomenal because you're, you're posting these things on site that they will then feel so good. I have a high quality picture of me instead of blurry or whatever it might be. Um, it's pretty, it's easy to do that now though with iPhones, like anyone can take a good picture. Um, have professional photographers all over the world just cringed at you, but that's fine. (laughs) That's the same way. I apologize. That's the same way that swimmers cringe at us that we do swimming on rest days. That's right. <laughs> They're like, it's not a recovery. This is a sport. We work really hard at this active recovery. <laughs> um, okay, but having said all of that, I do believe and says I, I forget what they said in the question, but um, regularly coming in to take pictures. Yep. Regular doesn't mean every day. It doesn't mean every week. Yep. It can mean once a quarter. Have the guy girl come in and they take, um, you know, pictures for an hour or two or three and they hand you a hundred pictures. And this is what we used to do once a month. They hand you a hundred pictures from there. You are going to pick 30 that you're going to use one in three are good. And there's gonna be eight pictures of Samantha. So you are only going to be able to use one of those and you need to be, so that's the way I would start off is pay for it once a month or once a quarter, ask for a hundred to 200 pictures per, you'll be able to post about a quarter to a third of those. That's probably worth your money. You're going to be able to post a professional picture every single day. And it's only costing you an hour or two of photography time, a couple hundred bucks. Totally. Uh, And those two questions batched together, I would say actually are related because that's actually one way you can tell if a gym is on top of it is that they are organized enough and successful enough and know enough to know that the photographs on their website matter mm-hmm. and to put some effort into that. Yep. So that's an, an obviously programming very important, all that other stuff. But that is also an indication of a gym that is at least um, thinking a little bit ahead. They're caring. Exactly. They care. Yep. Now, none of these things are perfect correlates. Nope. We talk about that a lot yep. about this. It's like there's uh, the most important thing, which is coaching and how you relate to people and all that stuff. Yeah. You can't, you don't know. Yep. You're not going to be able to tell that without going there. And that's why this um, person's having a hard time with this right. question. So we're giving our best correlate, yep. um, but it's not perfect. Yeah. 
Next question. I've been working out at home. How do I get back into the CrossFit mindset when working out at home and presumably alone? Okay. So that to me would, I would have to know what this person means by the CrossFit mindset. Yeah. What's your, what's your, you tell me you're asking that question. What do you think they mean by that? Um, I would, I would guess it has something to do with working level of intensity inside of a workout and or consistency and a lack of accountability. So probably a combination of those things. Okay. So, um, the first thing is there's a reason that affiliates exist and there's a reason that we do it in classes because it is more effective than doing it solo. Like even Matt Fraser who trains by himself trains with buddies in an affiliate. It's like, it works. It's better. You know, before you said the, the environment matters so much and it's environment matters again. so, yeah. so much. Yeah. Lance Armstrong, like he trains with a team. It's like, Lance, I shouldn't use that example anymore. It's like, cause it's from 1994. Ta- it's 1994 and he's a, he's a stare, like a <clears throat> doper. He takes drugs with yeah. his team. Like, <laughs> um, but the idea is like recognize that you're struggling. The reason you're struggling is real. Like it, you're not going to be first. The first thing is don't expect to get back to the exact same mindset. If you want to get back to the exact same mindset, go back to the affiliate. That's the reason. Or find a new one if you didn't like the one. It's a reason it works. It's like people train harder when they're in groups, period. Okay. Um, from there, there's a couple things you can kind of hack to do that is you surround yourself with people virtually, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons that Comp Train, the program that we have, has been as successful as it is, is what we're doing is we're taking um, individuals that want to train from a competitive standpoint, but there's not enough people at their gym that do this, or there's two or three and they don't have a coach or they don't have the community around them. What we're doing is giving a place to meet virtually the same way we all did back Mm -hmm. early days of CrossFit. And there is a leaderboard. There is a coach. There is a community. There's a place to ask questions. There's a place to feel like you're a part of something again. There's a place to be accountable. Now, all of a sudden, all those things that we're struggling for from the mindset perspective are there. And they might even be more because we as, I'm not trying to sell CompTrain here, but I am a little bit because we talk about mindset so much in comp train. Mm-hmm. If mindset is the limiting factor, go to a place that's going to talk about it a lot. Now, if you can't do comp train, you can't join an affiliate. What I would do with this athlete is start logging results on my own. Mm-hmm. And so you want to get back to like accountability and um, trying to be better. Well, there's one way to do it is things that get measured, get improved, start there. Like, And then from there, no, start there. Yeah, got it. As an athlete whose goal it is to compete in competitions in the RX division, how much should I be practicing the things I suck at and how how much should I be following other programming uh, or programming other than that at the gym? In other words, like gym programming and then on top of it, I do more yep. stuff. Uh, the question is how much yeah, relative how much or how I, much? I, yeah, how much should, absolute should I be? Time? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably the probably the latter. How absolute much should time. I be practicing the things I suck at? So I guess that's frequency. And then how much should I be doing on top of the programming at the gym? Okay. So that's, um, that's maybe volume. So they're trying to be a competitor. They're wondering if they should be doing, how much should they be spending time on things that they suck at? Yeah. Um, you should be doing it depending on what it is. Um, if it's um, a strength thing, it should be anywhere from once to twice a week. So anything more than that, because strength takes a long time to recover from. Mm-hmm. Um, anything besides that, you're gonna um, 
be probably working backwards. Mm. But what this means is that you are going to put an extra set, I'm sorry, extra um, piece or two in your workout to build on some strength, possibly even substituting things out from your regular gym programming. So at the end of the workout, they have four by 400 meter run, but you are a track athlete and you can run a 48 second 400. Probably not the thing for you to be spending your time on, but you, um, your deadlift is 330 and you're trying to go um, to um, be top 10 of sanctional. You need to work on your deadlift. Once a week, substitute out the cardio speed endurance piece for something really heavy, some mm-hmm. RDLs, some clean pulls, some deficit pulls, some accessory work like weighted hip extension, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for a strength piece. This is going to be bigger than two, longer than two minutes. Okay, if it's um, if it's something else that's more skill-based, mm-hmm. right? Something that's more like rope climbs or muscle-ups or um, even like handstand walking or handstand push-ups, even pistols potentially. That could go three times a week up to every day. Mm. It depends on how much duration and volume we're putting into each day. But here's the thing. Don't be afraid of the everyday thing. Like mm-hmm. People are like so scared of the everyday thing. But that's when you think about like when you're in high school, a high school swimmer. How, why are high why are swimmers so good that mm. swim in high school? Because they swim every day. They swim every day. <laughs> it's like they swim every day. If you want to get really good at something, they swim every day. You know how not to get good at something? Do it really infrequently. Yeah. If you want to get not good at handstand push-ups, do them once every 10 days when they show up. Yeah. You're not going to get that good out. If you really stink at handstand push-ups, do a do 10 every day for a month. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying do 400 a week. I'm saying do 40, you know, break it up, do 10 a day, depending on where you are in that level. Yep. So it really depends. And this is a long and a two minute answer. It depends on what it is. The weakness is, um, and it depends on, um, how big the weakness is and like what uh, the gap is between where they are yeah, and where they, sure. they want to be. Yeah. 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 So like, um, you have, you have a two minute Fran, you have a, um, a 48 second, 200, you have a five minute mile, you can row a two K and six thirty five, but your back squat is uh two fifty five. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you got to spend all, you should be working off, You should probably come off of some of your gym programming and just getting really strong. Yep. So it, like all these things, it depends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next question is similar, uh, but but slightly different. What should someone do when they have applicable strength and power but lack proper motor recruitment? Yeah. I have a 600-pound deadlift, 550-pound wow. back squat. Wow. My best clean is 330, and that's a Still miracle. Good. Yeah, if it's a miracle if I can hit it. I have, uh, I have an amazing coach. Um, but, uh, progress in that is still underwhelming, especially compared to everything else. So a similar question to the last, but I yeah, think no, this guy gave that. a lot of specific stuff, yeah. so I can answer this cool. specifically. Awesome. Okay. So just to recap, dude is super strong. Yes. 600 pound deadlift, 550, um, uh, back squat. His clean, clean is, is not up to snuff 330. That should be probably in the, at least 350, if not 375, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So he's right. That's limiting factor. And he said, I've only hit that maybe. Yeah. It's, it's a miracle if I hit. Okay. That. So what we need to do is you've identified a weakness you have. Um, and this is, this is, um, what we need to do now is identify, is this a, what's the limiting factor inside the weakness? Mm-hmm. So we have to literally go, okay, it's just this. You're not going to get better by doing more cleans. It sounds like he works with a guy from, uh, yeah, uh, he works from a, um, he says he's got a OTC, amazing yeah. coach. Yeah, previous I, I, OTC and Olympic education center coach. Is, it, is that an occupational therapist? Is that a Olympic training center? Olympic training I, center, I'm assuming. Okay. that That's phenomenal. So yep. the guy mm-hmm. obviously knows his stuff. So what we need to do is realize, is it being limited by one of three? 
three potentially things for this guy. Um, he's saying motor recruitment pattern, right? Yeah, he like, uh, he like explosiveness. Yeah, yep, power and but yeah. lack mo- uh, proper motor recruitment. Okay, what he means by that is I'm not that explosive. I can't use all my muscles to produce force. Yep. That could be one of them. If that's the case, we want to do things like plyometrics. Mm-hmm. We need to get you more explosive. So things like uh, broad jumps, vertical jumps, box jumps, um, um, really really short sprints, even like loaded jumping, depth jumps, get you to fire. Super fast, super, super fast. Um, that could be the limiting factor mm-hmm. we have to identify. So I want to know what this guy's vertical jump is. Yep. If it's um, um, 17 inches, yep, let's work mm-hmm. on that. Got it. If it's 26 inches, probably not, mm-hmm. especially depending on how big this dude is. Um, okay, from there, if it's not the if explosiveness aspect, it might be um, technique. Mm-hmm. So you're just missing positions. Mm-hmm. You're not moving with the right uh, movement patterns. The bar is not where it's supposed to be. When it's supposed to be, the bar feels so much heavier. You got to work on skill stuff. What that means is under 60% load, dialing in positions. Don't lift above 80% probably for two months. Mm. Um, and everything has to be super thoughtful. No reps go without immediate feedback of what you're doing right or wrong. Um, working with a great coach, this should not be a problem. If it's not explosiveness, if it's not technique, then it's probably mobility. You can't actually get into certain positions. Mm. When you're going to pull off the ground, you don't have the hamstring flexibility, so your back is rounding off. Now you're trying to pull this thing up and it's a fishing rod, your back is just completely bent, or you can't find the good overhead position, so you're, um, or he said clean, not jerk, right? You can't find the right rack position, so your bar is landing below your collarbone and then you're trying to muscle it back up. You don't have the right ankle mobility, so you can't, your torso is inclined in the land. So it is one of those three things. Mm -hmm. You have to identify which of those three things it is and then go up two miles deep into that one. Mm -hmm. You will not get better just by trying to do more cleans. (laughs) Because you're already strong. Right, exactly, yeah. Next question. Been coaching for a while and an established CrossFit gym is for sale and I'm thinking of taking it over. What are the things I should look at? The gym. Mm-hmm. You should go look at the gym. <laughs> Get inside. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm guessing he's asking like what... Um, Probably like numbers. What, yeah. what questions should I ask to make sure that it's it's as good as it looks maybe? Yeah. So what I would want to do is the number one thing for that I would want to know is um, the membership. Mm-hmm. And the membership, like the real... Don't give me a report through... Zen planner or mind body or tribe or whatever it is of the number of members. Yeah. I need to see an attendance. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, like a percentage of I want I want to know the actually who's attending every single day. Because yeah. what someone's gonna go is like I have 180 members and really 75 people are showing up. And the gym is the reason the gym is for sale is because they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. So they're not paying attention to all those other members. Now it's cool that they have a database and a list of all those people. Phenomenal. But what you want what you're buying is the existing business mm-hmm. and that existing business, how many people are showing up mm-hmm. now you could also go with off of how many people are actually paying. Okay. But what I would want to know is like how many, pe- those three numbers, what's the total membership, how many people are paying right now, not on hold, not on, um, not left, but you know, and then how many people are actually showing up all the time. That's the number one thing I would look for. Um, the number thing too, I think after that is what's your fixed cost. Mm-hmm. So what is your rent? What is your water bill? What are your other utilities? What are your taxes? Um, what are your other, uh, landlord associated fees? Um, trash, parking, um, uh, shoveling, you know, snow removal, yeah. whatever those things are. So I want to know basically from those two numbers, you can decipher quite a bit. Yeah. 
And from there, you can extrapolate basically um, what is the potential profit margin that they could be um, operating on. And then from there, I would want to know town demographics traffic. Um, And that's really all you kind of, once you look at the place, you got to look at it and say, okay, do you, because... I'm kind of going off the obvious, like, do they have parking? What's the bathroom situation? Do they have changing rooms? Do they have enough training spaces? The ceiling standing, you know, all the, like, besides the site visit stuff, that kind of goes without saying. Um, I'd want to know the demographics and um, specific locations, the ease of use and ease of find. Um, from those things, it's a potential um, acquire or not. Yeah, got it. Last question we've got for today. How do you make decisions and prioritize throughout the day given all the responsibilities that you have? Okay. Um, I was still thinking about the last question. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's so many other numbers you can figure out, right? Like average lifetime value, customer yeah. acquisition costs. Churn. Um, your, yeah, your churn rate. All um, What's your growth rate? Your... Um, um, ARR, annualized uh, recurring revenue and all those things. And I was, it's like, we should do another podcast on, on those <laughs> no, things, yep. but, and we could. Okay. Now I got it off my chest. All right. So what's the next one? It was like about my, how do I, I prioritize re- things? Yeah. How do you make decisions and prioritize throughout the day, given all of the responsibilities that you've got? Uh, that, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's, um, it's intentional. Mm-hmm. So I, set up, um, I try to think about my life in hindsight, like I'm looking back on it. And when I'm on a deathbed, what are the things that I'm going to look back on and say, like, these are the things that are important to me. And for me, um, it's a, it's a few things. I used to categorize them as, um, the five L's live, love, lead, learn, and leave a legacy. And I had kind of metrics behind that. I've since kind of like created, um, synergy across all my endeavors, my family, my business, and myself all now have the same core values, Mm -hmm. which is essentially, um, family first, Humble, hungry, happy, um, and healthy. Mm-hmm. And what I've done basically is the way I prioritize um, everything is in line with those. Mm-hmm. And I just have a thing like every single day, I need to make sure I'm doing these things. And I draw, re- I think the thing is that it's allowed me is to, the shortcut to this answer is beginning with the end in mind and then creating hard, yeah. hard lines. Like one of my things is home by six o'clock. And if I'm in a meeting or in the middle of an email and I look, I know I have to be out of my office at 535 to make that happen. Mm-hmm. If we're in the middle of a conversation, you've been yep. in these, it's like literally like, like it's just like, Hey guys, <laughs> sorry, time. I I'll give, I'll give like the warnings. Like yeah. guys, I got four minutes. Um, and then when it hits, it's like, sorry guys, I know we're in the middle of this. We're gonna have to pick this up later. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's, um, making the super, I don't want to say super making the harder decisions, um, in the short term to make sure the long term is falling into place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's really um, pretty simple. It's just discipline. Yep. It's a matter of um, sticking to the decisions you made when you said, this is what it's going to take for me to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and from there, what I'm constantly doing is asking myself, is this the most important thing I should be working on right now? Mm-hmm. That's just constantly going through my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's one of the things that, um, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse because I have a hard time, like just sitting down and chilling and watching, um, like a mindless movie. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing that with my wife, mm-hmm. like that's, that is probably the most important thing I should be doing right now. Mm-hmm. But I have a really hard time being on a plane and doing that yeah. because that's not at that moment, probably what I should be doing. Right. 
Yeah, the only other thing that I add just that I've seen you do well um, is you've got you. Everything lives in your calendar. Yeah, and if it's not on the calendar, it's not you're not it's not getting am, your attention, right? It's, I am so I, like um, one of the things. So just um, as I just said, I have like a certain number of checklists. Um, one of the check the, the check boxes I have for my daily to do for happiness is um, review my calendar. Mm. Every single day, I spend five to 10 minutes reviewing my calendar. Not just for the day, I look two to three weeks out, and then every now and then, I'll spend, I'll go like a 20 minute dive and I'll do two months out. So I always see what's come. Ooh, I have that meeting on Friday. I got to get prepared for that now. Ooh, this is clashing. I have a thing at kids' school and I have this um, uh, meeting with this partner. Oops, I got to read. And I'm like always way in front of that. And if it doesn't, um, to that point, like one of the other things I have, which is new this year, 2020, is um, meeting free Fridays. Mm. So it's another discipline thing. Like someone's like, my week is all booked up. The only time they could possibly meet is Friday. It's really tempting to slide someone into a Friday. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm great at it yet. I'm not. Like this is something I've been doing for a few weeks. Um, and in the three or four weeks that we've had in the year, um, I think I've only had one, maybe two yep. meeting free Fridays. Yep. It's hard, but it won't happen unless you do it on purpose, unless you're intentional about yeah. it. Right? It's not magically going to happen that yeah. you have me meeting free Fridays. You know, it's, it's, um, right. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not like the earlier person. I'm not taking Fridays off yet. Yeah. I'm just saying no meetings so I can be here and do all the other things that I want to do and not be, um, pushed into the urgent. All right. That's what we've got today. Thank you to everybody who sends us questions. Thank you, Ben. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.